Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. I'm your pediatrician and host, Dr. Jessica Hoffman. This week, you will be hearing again from a repeat guest, Dr. Carl Fleischer. Dr. Fleischer is a Harvard Medical School graduate and a child psychiatrist practicing in the Los Angeles area. And this week, we will be talking about gender dysphoria. I personally have been seeing more children than ever before in my practice who are questioning their gender. And as a physician, I want to make sure that in general, children are receiving the best possible support. I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right. So this is a question that's coming up a lot, especially amongst parents and uh, teenagers. And that is um, the question of gender and having uh, thoughts of gender mm-hmm. confusion and um, sexual identity questions. I just wanted to talk about this with you as a child psychiatrist. Do you, do you feel like you're getting more questions on this subject as well? I am. Yeah. And, and everybody is. It's something that is clearly growing as an issue in the sense of there's more and more kids who are identifying this way, who are talking about it. Uh, and, and that confuses people because there's a lot more of it than there was, even compared to 10 years ago. Uh, and for me, I think a big part of that, uh, just anticipating your question, is that kids are talking about it a lot more than they ever were before. And uh, so we're hearing more about it, but I'm not sure there's actually more of it. Interesting. I'm glad you're bringing this up. I know there's a lot of debate about whether or not the increase is a fad for teens, if it's the cool thing to do. Um, But I like what you're saying, that this increase in gender questioning more stems from society simply being more open in general. Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, and I would say this to, to any kid, to any parent is, yeah, kids or teenagers are exploring their identity. And so they're always interested in what are, how are other teenagers exploring their identity? Belonging to a group is really important as a teenager, whether it's a team or a club or a group that defines itself on the basis of gender. And so for sure, there may be some percentage of this for some kids that is in part having to do with just them building their identity over time. But I I don't think that's the whole explanation for any kid. And I don't think it's even a part of the explanation for a significant fraction of kids. Uh, I really think kids are just a lot more vocal about this now than they were in the same way that maybe, you know, 20 or maybe 30 years ago, there weren't that many kids who talked about being gay or being lesbians. And it became something that could be talked about. And then all of a sudden you had high schools where there was a gay straight alliance, right? Or some sort of thing where, oh my gosh, all these kids are like coming out of the woodwork. Uh, So there's a lot of it. And then the other aspect, again, that I talk to parents about is if there's some element where this is a kid who is exploring their identity, then at some point they'll figure it out and they'll find where they belong that, you know, that fits with them. And if they ultimately decide they don't belong in that group, they'll pull themselves out of that group. And so parents sometimes worry about going along with this in the sense of it'll send a message to a kid that they are something that they aren't. But um, kids are pretty good about figuring themselves out. And so if we let them figure themselves out, they may be the ones telling us, you know, I thought it was that, but actually I don't like hockey as much as I thought. (laughs) How common is it exactly? Do you have any statistics on how common it is for children to identify as transgender, for example? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And that's the other tricky part is that as much as it's increasing, it's still actually incredibly rare. Uh, 
so the rate of people identifying as transgender, as best we can measure it right now, is less than 1% of the population. And so somebody like me in my role, I talk to a lot of those kids. But in general, you know, in a school of 3,000 kids, there aren't that many kids like that. Uh, so even as something that's increasing, it's still really, really rare. Carl, as a child psychiatrist, do you have any personal experience with children transitioning? Um, so there are different pieces of uh, this idea of transition. And so it kind of depends. Many of the kids I see go through what I would call social transition. So in terms of how they present themselves in the world, in their dress, in their name, we talk a lot about pronouns these days, that kind of stuff. So that transition, yes. When it comes to uh, uh, medical, surgical kinds of things, you know, biological transitions, that tends to happen uh, either as kids become young adults or maybe just at the very end of adolescence. Now, I'm curious, do you find that children feel happier or better after socially transitioning? Yeah, I, I would say it makes a difference in my experience. Um, and it's interesting because I just this morning was kind of refreshing myself on the, the research on this. The jury kind of is out on on a population scale. You know, how much of a difference does that make? So most kids, most teenagers will report feeling better if we think about young kids, kids before puberty who transition into the other gender, there is actually a little more clear that they're definitely more happy, better off, fewer mental health complaints uh, after a transition compared to before. Uh, but for teenagers, it's tricky. And I think part of that has to do with just the flux of adolescence. So it's not really clear how much of what they're talking about now is still going to be their main focus a year or two years later. I often wonder about this because my hope is that after children go through transitioning, that we would know they clearly feel better. But I guess it makes sense that there may be other factors at play. Yeah, well, I, I should say certainly in terms of the more serious outcomes, it definitely is better. So risk That's of good. suicide or suicide attempts is lower uh, for kids after transition compared to before. Uh, it's been harder to piece together in terms of on a research scale. Uh, are rates of depression lower you know, for 10,000 kids who identify as transgender? Um, and so individually, yes, I definitely see it. Uh, but when a parent asks me, you know, will my kid who hasn't transitioned yet be happier? I would say, I, I think they might, but I don't know. And uh, part of adolescence is figuring things out. And so I usually recommend that we say, let's let this play out because there's actually very little risk to letting it play out. And we know that if kids don't transition and they're held back from transitioning, that does exacerbate the risk. And you're referring to social transitioning, correct? Yes. Okay. So this can be such a sensitive issue for both teens and parents. Do you have any general advice for parents who want to be supportive? Yeah, definitely. I think the, the pathway to success there is to let your love for your kid be, the, be what leads and parents are happier that way. Kids are much happier that way. Because at the end of the day, the parents who are really concerned, they're concerned about getting it right because they love their kids. And so I tell them, let's worry less about having our crystal ball get it right because crystal balls don't work. And let's worry more about just showing your kid that you love them. And 
uh, no matter what form you know, that happens to take. And that clearly makes a difference for kids. Uh, so if parents want to learn more, that is always a good thing. Uh, one of the resources that's great for parents to learn more is an organization called PFLAG. Um, and uh, so PFLAG.org. Um, and so the more that parents learn and the more that parents can just show their kids that they love them, then generally the better things go. I think that's great advice because at the end of the day, that's what we really want. We want a good relationship with our child and we want a happy child. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic question. Um, so, I, you know, again, this is where parents worry about getting it right. And in the beginning, you just don't know what the end is going to be. So you know, a kid who says, I think I'm this, they may not end up being that. But what we do know is that because gender identification is on a spectrum you know, between what we call male and female, then kids may say, I'm at 0.62, and they may end up at 0.37. Were they wrong? Sort of. But they weren't at one end or the other either. So kids will sometimes drift within that spectrum. But if they're saying, I don't feel like I'm fully male or I don't feel like I'm fully male, it will probably end up that they're not. And so it just makes kids generally happier and do better to let that play out and then see how far they drift. Um, Even in terms of uh, kids who end up getting uh, more uh, you know, more permanent interventions in terms of medical or surgical stuff. We have some data from Europe that show that it's very, very rare that uh, at that point, adults, young adults uh, would regret you know, what they've done with their bodies or, or any medicine they've taken to alter their bodies. Uh, and by rare, I mean like 99 point something percent of people are uh, happy that they went through what they went through. And so again, it's, you know, if the boy says that they feel like they're a girl, might they end up sticking with exactly that thing? No, but they might stick with something else that is actually a much better fit. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it it maybe is a, a, a little bit of a step to think about it this way, but at the end of the day, if you've, you know, if that child later grows up to be an adult who's happy, who's functioning well, who's contributing to society, yeah, if they ended up in a little bit of a different place on the spectrum, because as a child, you know, we said, okay, yeah, go ahead and explore that part of your identity. They're happy, they're functioning, they're contributing to society. We influence kids all the time. You know, they do shape them as adults, right? That aren't necessarily their nature. Uh, and so to a certain degree, it's okay if we're not exactly right. Because what really the outcome that we care about is that kids are happy and able to function well as adults. And in your experience, is there an age when children tend to experience symptoms of gender dysphoria? Yeah, that, that's been shifting because sort of the traditional understanding and what people used to see was that kids would come in before puberty. And so like, you know, the boy who always wore dresses or, you know, the girl who always played with, you know, G.I. Joe's or sports or whatever. Uh, but nowadays that it has changed. It seems to be kind of more 50-50 in terms of before adolescence or after adolescence, after puberty. Uh, so there's a lot of teenagers who come in who weren't, uh, didn't seem to be, I should say, talking or thinking about that stuff before, uh, and a number of younger children as well. So what you're saying is that it can vary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Parents worry most when they say, you know, my 14-year-old, you know, who says they are a boy, always was, you know, 
feminine and girly and where did this come from? And uh, from what we understand currently about gender, uh, it can come you know, as part of the changes of puberty and so it doesn't have to have been there before. So Carl, I don't know if you'll have a good answer for this, but I know there's a lot of parents that want to be understanding, they want to be supportive, but to be honest, uh, a lot of the talk about pronouns and the newer lingo can be quite confusing for parents. Do you have any resources for families? Do you have any resources for parents to get a better understanding? Yeah, great question. I, I get that a bit as well. Um, so again, I just sort of learning more about gender identity uh, resources like uh, PFLAG uh, can be very helpful there. And, and the other thing actually that I talk to with families about is for kids to be patient with their parents. I try to remind them like your parent has 15 years of calling you Charlie. They're not going to switch to Dahlia on a dime. It's hard. And so, you know, that's, again, where it matters that kids feel like they're loved and accepted. And if if kids know that, then they're not going to be jumping down a parent's throat every time the parent isn't quite using exactly the word or pronoun that the kid would prefer. Uh, It just it takes a while for parents to get into that kind of thing. And some parents might not be comfortable with doing that. And I tell those parents, okay, your kid needs to feel like. You love them. If you can convey that effectively in other ways, that's fine. They just need to be able to feel that. Well, this concludes this week's episode of Ask Dr. Jessica with my friend and child psychiatrist, Dr. Carl Fleischer. If you are enjoying Ask Dr. Jessica, I would be so appreciative if you would leave a five-star review. Also, please share this episode with a friend who you think might enjoy as well. Your support is what helps this podcast grow.